You know, I think that I was discouraged by a lot of people from making career moves so soon after giving birth. I think a lot of women um, feel stuck around career options uh, as it relates to childbirth years. Welcome to Work Like a Mother, sharing real conversations with inspiring women juggling work, life, and motherhood. I'm Bridget Garsh, co-founder of Neighbor Schools, and today I'm excited to chat with Christina Samaha, head of growth at Folia Health, a digital health company that helps harness the power of patient and caregiver knowledge. She's also a mama to Laurel and Brooke and chair of the Jeremiah Program Community Board of Trustees. Welcome, Christina. So excited to have you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. Um, So my first question for you is you have spent pretty much your entire career or most of your career within healthcare or Mm -hmm. that field overall. Where did that interest come from? Sure. Yeah. So I started in healthcare technology on the medical devices side. And then a number of years ago, I made a switch to kind of software, data, and related services. I've always loved science. I was the only kid in my whole family that liked science. Um, but I also was interested in bigger questions around, you know, developing science and technology and how do we get it into the hands of people who need it. So that was um, kind of what directed me to my first job out of college. And I ended up just loving it and sticking with it. I've worked at a few different companies, small and large Um, kind of both ends of the spectrum in terms of size um, and across all different sectors. So I've built products that have um, been sold to providers and hospital systems, to insurance companies. Um, So I've benefited from being able to see from multiple angles. Where were you working when you had your first daughter? Yeah, so with my first daughter, um, I was at a larger startup, so about a 100-person startup, um, in uh, um, health IT. So we had a, an enterprise software product that we sold to health systems. I feel like in the startup world, um, you can often be the, the first, uh, and that takes many different forms. Were you the first person to go on maternity leave? I was not. So I was the third. Uh, and one of the first ones was one of our co-founders. We had a, um, a, fan, a, a very... Um, um, fantastic female co-founder, and she was one of the first two. Um, So thankfully, I benefited from two people kind of paving the way for me in terms of, um, you know, having the organization create policies that were mother-friendly and to really think through what what does the return to to work look like. So we had a nursing mother's room already set up. People were used to, you know, people may, when people return to work, they may need to block time on their calendar and were very accommodating if I needed to take a meeting in the, in the mother's room. Did you know that you always wanted to come back to work? For me, yes, I do. I mean, I will say you never know how you're going to feel before you've actually gone through it. And of course. I have friends who feel very strongly one way. And then once they have the baby, they feel very differently and, you know, no, you just don't know how you'll, how you feel. For me, I thought that there was, you know, I thought that I would return. I do have student loans that I have to pay off. So there is that piece of it, but I do have a lot of, um, I derive a lot of satisfaction and fulfillment from my work. Um, and I 
especially during leave, as much as I loved that time and I'm grateful for it, um, there was a part of my brain and my personality and, you know, my skills that I didn't feel I got to use as much um, in being a, a, a 100% um, caregiver. So uh, I was looking forward to having that part of my life back again. I, I can very much relate to relate to that. Uh, I think you said it very diplomatically, maybe, or, or nicely. I personally hated my first maternity leave. I found it so isolating and challenging. Um, and so I was really eager to, to get back to work. And then like you're saying, you don't know how things will hit you. Then when I actually did drop off for the first time, I was a total mess uh, and really emotional about it. I listened to your, I, I listened to your episode. Okay. What did you expect from your maternity leave? What did you go into it thinking? Mm -hmm. And then uh, it's a two part question. What did it look like when you were actually living, living mm -hmm. through that? Yeah. For, for my first pregnancy, it was, more or less what I expected, only I just, I just had no idea what it would feel like to be that exhausted because my, my older one didn't sleep at all for four months unless I was holding her. So that was exhausting. Uh, I knew that was a possibility because some people have babies that just don't sleep. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I've, I did a lot of childcare growing up. I always had lots of babysitting jobs. I always volunteered with kids. So I had a good sense of what to expect in terms of diapers, burping, pooping. <laughs> All the it's amazing how your world suddenly centers mm -hmm. so much around poop. I, I don't think that uh, a lot of people always expect how much you're right. going to care about, mm -hmm. about poop and it takes such a central role in your life. Mm -hmm. And then one other thing that, um, that helped tremendously was I found a fantastic mother's group um, for, it focused on first time moms. It was hosted at um, a local hospital um, and the woman who, the woman who facilitated it was so funny, so real, mm -hmm. so encouraging. Um, she really made it a safe space for people to come with any question, any concern, any thing they needed to vent about. Um, and some of, you know, my closest friends today are from that group. Those, uh, new parent groups are just mm -hmm. so vital, so important. Mm -hmm. Uh, I felt like you read a lot. There's so much information available now on the internet when you are pregnant and when you have a newborn that it's very easy to feel overwhelmed or to feel super stressed by what you're reading. Mm -hmm. I remember reading how babies and newborns sleep 16 or 17 hours a day. And my first son never slept more than maybe 14 on a good day. And I thought, I'm the worst mom. I'm not helping him get enough sleep. And at the new parent group that I was part of, it opened my eyes to the fact that every child is really so different. And I'm not the only one who has a child that's not sleeping. Mm -hmm. And it was such a tremendous source of support to have that openness and that honesty. Absolutely. Yeah. A group um, text thread is still going strong. Wow. We don't text quite as frequently as we did in the newborn days. Most of us are on our second kids, um, but yeah, it's still active. It's still at the top of my text messages. <laughs> That's fantastic. What an incredible resource. Mm -hmm. 
was that group helpful as you then transitioned from your maternity leave and you were preparing to go back to work? Absolutely. Yeah. So the, there were all types of uh, women and families in the group. The people that tended to, um, that I tended to gravitate towards were also working moms just because, you know, when it came to scheduling get togethers, our schedules more aligned and a lot of the, the stress points were similar in terms of, you know, fitting back into your business casual, you know, when you're three months postpartum. Um, so we just um, tended to um, gravitate towards people that were going through similar experiences. Um, but yeah, we've still today, you know, um, uh, ask each other questions around career, managing motherhood and, um, and work, especially in, with um, everything that's been going on the last few months with coronavirus. When did you start thinking about childcare with, remind me of your oldest name? Yeah, Laurel. Mm-hmm. Laurel. We tried um, right away. As soon as um, we, we, were, we were house hunting in the early parts of our pregnancy. Um, so as soon as we knew we were, where we were um, going to end up, um, I immediately you know, joined the neighborhood Facebook group and was trying to crowdsource ideas for childcare and um, we toured a lot of places. I, the hours I have spent on trying to find childcare, not just at the beginning, but throughout um, my time as a mother, have, I don't even want to think about how many hours I've spent towards, uh, mm-hmm. towards that. Um, but right away, we wanted to get that lined up. We ended up choosing to go with a home daycare because none of the centers we toured really had the personal touch and the um, you know, personal connection that we were looking for. Um, and we ultimately found a home daycare through the recommendation of someone from our local um, neighborhood Facebook page who said that, you know, the teacher was amazing, that her daughter just thrived, that she entered kindergarten reading at a first grade level. Um, and we visited, really liked her. And um, she was she was wonderful to our family. She feels like part of our extended family, even though we don't we're, we're, we're not at that that. Um, daycare anymore. We're still very connected and indebted to her. Yeah. How, how did that make you feel when you first discovered her after searching for so, for so long? Huge relief. You know, I, I'm so glad that you guys are working to solve this problem because there's no good way to um, find childcare options and figure out what's the best match. Cause so much of it has to do with, you know, being aligned on, you know, approaches to discipline or just, you know, family chemistry, you know, in addition to things like hours, locations, things like that. Um, So I'm so glad that um, parents-to-be will now have a better way to go about that, thanks to neighbor schools. So you said you weren't at the daycare that you started with. Mm -hmm. Fast forward a little to when you were on maternity leave with your second daughter, Mm -hmm. what did that return to work experience look like? Sure. Um, uh, Very different. So at that point, I was at a different company. With both pregnancies, I ended up taking a three-month leave and then within a few months actually switching jobs. Three weeks after I went back to work with the second um, pregnancy. Um, my older daughter ended up getting very sick. Um, and, 
um, ended up getting, both girls ended up over the, over the following months getting diagnosed with a chronic condition that leads them um, at higher risk for infections. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a lot of juggling very sick children, doctor's appointments, um, testing, testing again to confirm a diagnosis, test uh, imaging to, un- to understand if there was um, permanent organ damage based on their first infection. So it was, um, it was a chaotic period of time going back to work the second time. So help me understand. So you, how long were you at this new job mm-hmm. until the diagnosis? You were three that, in? Oh yeah. From my leave. Yep. I had been with the company for about a year and a half. Um, okay. but it was about, yeah, it was three weeks cause it was the week of Thanksgiving. I remember it really well because it was the week of Thanksgiving and all, all my in-laws were coming, uh, into town for Thanksgiving to stay at our house. Oh my so, so I, yeah, I, it's time stamped. In my right. <laughs> it's burned in your, in your memory. Uh-huh. Uh, and you're, so while your family's there, you're then also schlepping children to doctor's yeah. appointments. We you ended up a- telling about half our family not to come because our pediatrician kept saying, oh, it's just a virus. It's just a virus. And clearly it was a very serious one because she was in such tremendous pain and she was having extremely high temperatures mm-hmm. every four hours. I could tell what time of day it was because her fever was coming on. It was like clockwork. So we ended up telling half our family, the, the ones that were going to drive into town not to come because we thought it was somewhat terrible infectious virus. Um, but the other ones were here um, as it was, it was a stressful week. And then you, so the, the girls are diagnosed, you're mm-hmm. grappling with all of their medical appointments and the treatments. Mm-hmm. And then you also decide to change Switch jobs again, change <laughs> jobs. What, yes. what, how did you make that decision? You know, I think that I was discouraged by a lot of people from making career moves so soon after giving birth. I think a lot of women um, feel stuck around career options uh, as it relates to childbirth years because they feel like I need the benefits or no one's going to hire me when I'm pregnant or Mm -hmm. I'm going to be so tired once I had this newborn, am I going to have the mental capacity to, to take on something new? Um, I will say both times they were definitely the right choice. And, you know, looking back, I, you know, would want to have told myself, you know, know your worth, know what you deliver, um, know what you want to, you know, get out of your work. So for some people at some stage of time, and for, you know, for me, it might be more about the stability and the paycheck and other times it'll be more about the, you know, stretching yourself mentally. Um, so just know what is important to you at that stage. And, um, don't be deterred from, from going after it. So tell me a little bit about where you're working now. So I work at Folia Health. We're a digital health startup uh, that has an app that helps patients and caregivers who manage chronic conditions to track all the data points they manage at home. So anything from the medications they take to the symptoms they experience and all the factors that can um, impact their symptoms. Um, The idea is most of these people are keeping track of these things in notebooks or in their mind. um, And there's no easy way to communicate that back to their doctors or to the broader medical community. Um, So all the, you know, they're um, underutilized experts in chronic disease management, um, but 
there's no mechanism for um, for bringing their knowledge to the to the broader medical community. So was part of your motivation to join really inspired by your personal experience? Absolutely. I recognized the value of the company even before I had that personal um, connection um, because I've seen in all my experiences that um, patients and caregivers have really in-depth knowledge that um, isn't being used by the medical community more broadly. Um, but our, you know, the, the girls' experience just gave it a lot more personal meaning. I'm sure. When you have a rare moment, I guess, to, your, to yourself, mm-hmm. um, how do you like to spend your time? Mm-hmm. We're very family-oriented now, especially since quarantine started. Mm-hmm. Um, I, do, I am the chair of uh, a nonprofit board called oh, wow. the Jeremiah Program as well, um, which um, has been very fun and very gratifying as well. They help low-income single moms who are in college. And what, is, what does it look like to be involved in, as part of that organization? So you're chair of the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I started volunteering with them actually, let's see, 14 years ago, I think, back when I lived in Minnesota, because that's where they're headquartered. Um, and when they, exp- they expanded to Boston around the same time that I relocated here, which was very convenient to me so I could stay involved. Um, but right now, it's really a, tr- a transition period for pretty much every nonprofit out there, as you can mm-hmm. imagine, both kind of from a philanthropy side, but also in terms of operations. Um, we also got a new CEO last fall, so there's been that transition as well. Um, but it's really supporting our executive director and our local operations. Um, there's been a lot of work to make sure all the programming is tech-enabled, which as a, a tech person, is, I'm really excited about um, making sure that all the families have access to technology and proficiency in it will be huge for both the, the moms who, as they finish college, are looking for career track employment, not just a job, but something that will be a long-term career for them, and also for the kids to be able to uh, make sure they have that proficiency, because that's going to be only more and more important as these kids grow up. Definitely. Uh, Well, I'm in awe that you are juggling this startup role, growing company, two children, chair of the board. Uh, It's a a pretty impressive lineup. So kudos to you for juggling all of those things. How does the juggle work on a day-to-day basis? How do you make it all happen? Um, I try to be very organized and naturally um, a more organized person. So there's a lot of, we use Google calendar a lot. Um, It's a a lot of kind of planning enough structure for the kids to keep, to be able to keep them occupied when you really need them to be. Um, And a lot of, you know, using help where you can get it. You know, we've tried, we've used every single type of childcare except families because we don't have that available but we are really fortunate to have fantastic neighbors and friends that help when when they can of course social distancing does make that a little bit more challenging now but um before that they've been a huge help to us i'm sure yes i it's 
when you say being organized, maybe that's also part of um, being going to going to Wellesley puts breeds that into you a little a little bit. But in our family, uh, people laugh because my husband and I have a weekly family meeting on Saturdays, mm-hmm. and it has an actual agenda. And we go through and try and tackle all of the items for the week or just create Mm -hmm. a plan as to how all of it's going to get done. And the most freeing thing for me has been, it's really nice in the middle of the week to just put something on there as a placeholder and say, okay, I don't need to think about that right now. We have this dedicated time each week to be able to, to turn to it. So all of these little tools and tips and tricks, uh, hearing those are so, so helpful because that's how you can learn to juggle on a, on a daily basis when you have so many different things. Well, at the end of every episode, I ask the same question. And that question is, what advice would you give to your pre-mom self? hmm um, maybe just reassurance that it all works out, you know, both from the career and work perspective, also from the mothering perspective, even with health challenges. Um, you know, well, first, we're very fortunate to be in the Boston area where there's incredible medical care. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'm a firm believer that life doesn't give you more than you can handle. And, um, you know, moms are incredible and can stretch to do whatever um, our families need of us. I don't say that just based on myself, but based on uh, the women at the Jeremiah program that I work with. And also, you know, a lot of our users at Folia are moms of children with chronic conditions. And so I see that every day in my work. Um, but yeah, you know, I think that maybe a little bit of um, reminders and reassurance around that would have made some of those career moves a, a little bit less uh, stressful. Um, but it, it always works out in the end. I love that. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Thanks for having me. And thanks for creating this platform for stories to be shared. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Bridget Garsh, and this is Work Like a Mother. I'm excited to share another amazing Working Mama story with you next week. But before I go, I have a quick favor to ask. Please help us spread the word by giving us five stars on Apple Podcasts. It's the best way for more working moms to discover our show. We're trying to reach 200 reviews in our first two weeks and make it onto new and noteworthy, but we need your help. Thanks and have a great week.